Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez. We also have Aaron Keller in the house. And we have Matt Maples, our habitat staff specialist, along with Kenny Perkle, habitat biologist who drove here all the way from Fallon. So welcome you two. Good to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thanks for coming in, guys. And the reason we have you here is because we want to talk about guzzlers, which I don't even know if a lot of people know what a guzzler is. So, Kenny, do you want to explain what it is? Yeah. So, uh, in simple terms, a guzzler is an artificial wildlife watering source. And we construct a metal apron that collects natural precipitation via snow and rain melt that funnels it down into storage tanks, then is provided um, remotely to an off-site drinker that all wildlife can access. That drinker is fenced with a T-rail, pipe-rail fence to keep feral horses and livestock out and only allow wildlife to access that, that valuable water source. So, in a nutshell, that's, that's what a guzzler is. Okay, so it's like a man-made watering hole. Yeah, artificial watering hole, correct. And this is for all different types of wildlife. Yep, all all different species in, in the state can can utilize the, the water that we provide. And you said it's there's small game guzzlers and big game guzzlers? Yeah, so there's a couple different styles. There's the, the small game that you mentioned that's uh, primarily targeted for upland game species and small mammals. Um, it's uh, typically a 96-square-foot 90, metal uh, roof apron pipe to a 350 gallon storage tank with a ramp that they can walk down as water levels uh, drop. And then a big game guzzler is typically targeted for what you would think of big game ungulates, antelope, mule deer, elk, bighorn sheep, and they're they're, they're much larger. Um, so we have some that are up to 20,000 gallons and, and uh, the, the collection surface can vary in size based on how much water you want to store. In Matt, we talked earlier and you were saying that there's different types of wildlife that you could catch in the big game guzzlers too though yeah i mean any any type of species can use a big game guzzler um simply because they can access it so much easier than than the small volume or the small game guzzlers and what we've found through monitoring uh you know photography through these sites is like any variety of species could reasonably be found at at a guzzler using it for water we document all kinds of migratory songbirds we see lizards, we see rabbits and ground squirrels, uh, all kinds of different species. We've even found like insects, like macroinvertebrates using the water or inside the drinker. Yeah. And then toads or frogs in the drinker as well, which is pretty remarkable because yeah. it's yeah, really dry in these sites where we put them. Uh, that's crazy. Tell you how in the middle there, of the desert. But they find it. So. Yeah. How does that, how do they find it? <laughs> They're good, like, I know, <laughs> I've heard there's a good guzzler over there. <laughs> so, um, it sounds like they have a huge impact They're, I mean, they're critical in such a dry state. Absolutely. I mean, we've, we've used guzzlers, uh, for many, many years to increase usable wildlife habitat across the state. Uh, we typically put them in areas where there's limited natural water sources or the natural water has been compromised uh, through some sort of alternative use. Um, so it provides a safe place, a dedicated place for wildlife to, to get a drink and access water. It can expand habitat or make habitats more secure for a variety of, of species of wildlife. And when, when did this start? When did Endow start building guzzlers? Well, Kenny and I were having that debate a little earlier. Uh, we're not quite sure if it was 1925 or 1950s. Uh, most of the stuff that we have recorded in our database shows 
build dates of the early 1950s, but we've also got reports of, you know, some of the earliest guzzler sites being developed in right. the 1920s. So Down in Clark County, specifically targeted for quail. Yeah, so it's oh. that's kind of up for debate as to exactly when it started, but it was it was definitely a good idea uh, at the time, and we're thankful that that program got started in Nevada. We all we all reap the benefits of right. it today. I think any, it's safe to assume that this like what we're building now is not what they built in the 1920s. So you guys <laughs> have like helped develop this, and many many people have oh helped yeah, develop I mean this and the design and. The All size that. of the program has gone from something that was probably really, really modest. I mean, even a few decades ago, uh, we were still operating at a high capacity, but we were no no way were we building the, the sophistication of the units today. I mean, our, our units now are really well designed. They're really well thought out. We've had a lot of years to think about the design and make consistent improvements so that we have fewer failures, so we have fewer maintenance uh, issues that we have to go back and address. Uh, the size on a lot of them has continued to increase, and so we've seen increased wildlife populations kind of follow along as we've provided water, and so oftentimes we'll have to go back in and install additional uh, catchment or apron and then additional tanks so that we store even more water right, than we did in the past. They're basically drinking it dry, and then you mm -hmm. say, well, they need more water, right? And yeah, and we get we caught in the we get yeah. caught in the situation where we got to haul water, right. uh, time consuming and expensive. It's difficult to track, and so we we try to engineer out of that issue by going in, uh, removing the older components, removing the old guzzler. And then installing, you know, additional tanks, additional aprons, so that instead of storing, you know, three thousand gallons, we're storing twelve or eighteen thousand gallons. Right. Yeah. I mean, our goal w when we walk away from our guzzler is hopefully we would not have to come back and perform any maintenance or water hauls to this guzzler for fifteen, twenty years. Yeah. Or I mean, like Matt was saying, with with technology and and uh, going through different levels of building, um, we've we've learned from mistakes in the past and we've capitalized on that. Our guzzers now have no moving parts. It's a completely self-leveling system. Um, so there's virtually nothing to go wrong with them. There's guys that stay up at night thinking about guzzlers and how they can make them better. And they can work on the fencing or they can work on the... You're sitting across from one of them. I was right? going to say, yeah. it sounds like <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, people yep. take this serious. Well, yeah, and, and it's, it's not... It's not just Endow personnel either. I mean, we have a, a multiple different partners that help us with this water development right. program from federal land management agencies to wildlife conservation groups. Yeah. And collectively, we all, we all work on it together and come up with ideas and implement them. So it's not just a, a, a one-man band here. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of different players involved. There's been a lot of ideas that have come out of some really dedicated volunteers yeah. that you so know have an engineering or a mechanical background, and they pair that with a passion for wildlife, and all of a sudden we're kind of going from one design to another design because we've, we're seeing so many improved benefits. And right, less you, could have, you could have metal worker to plumber oh, and we have in it. the form of volunteer, mm -hmm. and yeah. they can dial in those systems. Awesome. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's my, my, I guess when you were just talking, my question is, how do you decide what size guzzler goes where? That's kind of, Is it science or is it? Yeah, it's it's a well thought out process. I mean, there's a couple different variables that you got to think about. You know, the first one when you're talking apron size, you have to think of what precip zone you're in. So how much water is going to fall in that particular area? You know, if you're in a lower area, lower precip zone where you have four inches of precip a year, five inches of precip, you're going to need a pretty significant size apron in order to fill the tanks that you're burying uh, mm -hmm. for the unit. And then also the species uh, that you're targeting and then the number of or the population size for that area. Right. You know, all that plays into how much water you have to provide 
in order to last um, animals through the course of a dry season. So, and then also when you're looking at what species you're targeting, you want to try to figure out how many gallons per animal they drink, and then what the overall projected estimated population size will be down the road. So that's where we will work with our, our, our game biologist and say, what is your ultimate goal? How many animals do you want here? Right. It's like the guzzler build itself is one thing, but then all of this work goes into this beforehand. Yeah. There's a lot of thought that goes into thinking about locating a site, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. before you can even do the math on an apron size or figuring out your tanks, like you have to have a location on the landscape to put it. Right. And so we work with our game division biologists. Uh, we have guys like Kenny um, that go out on the ground and look for areas that are, are going to be good sites. You know, if you're working on a bighorn sheep project, you may look for something that's closer to escape terrain, right? right. And so you're looking at the habitat for the species you want to target. And then you got to find an area that where they're going to, f- the animals are going to feel comfortable watering. Yeah. And also where we can get all get the materials in and yeah. build it, right? If we're, our volunteers wouldn't be very happy if we sited it on top of a rock pile. So <laughs> you right. might not we, get any volunteers. <laughs> I've been on one of those. <laughs> yeah. so we've done that before. But <laughs> we're, we're a little bit more popular if we sited an area with a little bit better ground conditions. Right. A little, little better access. <laughs> so how far ahead do you guys plan? I mean, it's not just like you're like, hey, let's go build a guzzler. I mean, how far back do you guys start planning ahead? I mean, or how's that process work? So, for example, the 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 guzzler I'm working on right now, which is our next volunteer project on April 20th, um, it's in the Cancun Mountain Range, just east of Fallon. Um, Clint Garrett, who was in the water development biologist position back in the day, I believe he located this site in uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. Submitted the paperwork to the BLM to get clearance through NEPA. I think yeah. we've got approval from BLM in 11 or 12, 2011 or 2012. Uh-huh. Um, and then it's 2019, and now we're just getting around to building it because we had other other guzzers that were cleared that had a priority that we had to get to and address before this one. So we're working down. We're going through a checklist, getting our other projects off, off and done, and then this is the next one on- online. Dang, so it could be 10 years. It can be. You guys are finding sites right now, and it could be – 10 years or, or more. Yeah, I mean, we'll find sites. We'll work with the land management agency. So in the case of the cocoon build, we'll work with the, the BLM. Uh, we get the sites cleared. They go through the NEPA process. Uh, we get authorization from the land management agency to build the site, and then we have to build it into our schedule. Uh, we can only build so many of these a year. Uh, we rely on volunteers to give us a hand with a lot of them, but you know, we have a project pipeline that kind of takes us out a few years. And so, yeah, by the time it's you come up with the initial location, you get authorization, and then you build it. We could be sitting six to ten years pretty easily. Wow. Mm-hmm. But so there's also cases where uh, we've got a good example of one this year where, you know, we've got kind of a higher need. And so we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, really kind of yeah. Yeah, put in a priority and, and lean on our federal partners to help speed up the process. And then we'll put it high on our list, and we can build them in, you know, a year or two if we absolutely have to. And we have an example of that this year. And that's a pretty quick turnaround, about a year. Yeah, but that typically would be very when, short. We, when we go out to locate a new site, you're planning on building that thing probably five to six years down the road. Dang, very typically. interesting. So yeah. So how how many are you guys going to build this year? Like, what's the so I mean, or, or how does that work? So in the north, we have six volunteer projects. Okay. Um, the first one was March 16th. The second one I mentioned, Cocoon Guzzler, is April 20th. Uh-huh. And then we end on June 22nd out in the Hawaii Desert. And that's for northern Nevada. Northern Nevada. And then southern Nevada has similar. Southern Nevada will have, I think, six or eight volunteer projects as well. Um, pr- 
pretty typically we space about three weeks between each project. Southern region starts uh, a little bit sooner, so they start in December or January because right. they're not dealing with nearly the snow that uh, we are in the north. Yeah. And then also, you know, we try to ha make sure our volunteers are finished up with volunteer builds in the south by the time like May rolls around or June yeah, at the latest because it just gets a little too warm down there to be working late into the summer. And then the northern Nevada stuff goes a little bit into the summer yeah. months, yep. so... We yeah, typically we typically try to wrap it up by the end of June, early July. But yeah. It's busy, busy season for you guys. Yep. This time of year is, yes. And that's about all the time we have for the first half of the show, but we will be right back after this short break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Right before the break, we were talking about some of the guzzler projects we have going on in the state, but that's really just a small portion of the number of guzzlers that we do have across the state. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, as we discussed, like, it's a it's a pretty old program, and so Guzzlers has been being built for a long time. But right now we've got 1,740 wow. um, more or less Guzzlers in the state of Nevada. You know, roughly 450 of those are targeting big game. So they're, you know, a large volume unit, and then the balance are the small game or uh, units. And it's, it's pretty impressive. There's about 45% of the big game units that target bighorn sheep specifically, meaning they're in bighorn habitat. Right. And then the rest of those, you know, kind of divide up between elk, uh, mule deer, and pronghorn. That's a lot of guzzlers. It I was going to say to look at a map of those. Yeah, when, you, cool. when you kind of put up a map of all the guzzler sites in Nevada, uh, it's, it's pretty good coverage. I mean, we have a lot of areas where natural water exists in a quantity that we don't need a guzzler site. Right. But obviously, a lot of our drier areas, uh, we're we're getting them pretty well filled in with guzzlers. Yeah, there's a map in the old Winnemucca office, and I used to love to stand in front of that <laughs> thing because it has all the guzzlers on these little pins, and it's probably like six. Oh, they tall. add like a pin they each add a time. Pin every time there's a that guzzler really that's cool. added, and it's it's really cool to just like look at how they're spread out across the state. Yeah, everywhere there's all those clusters of guzzlers is a dry part of the state. Right. <laughs> <In> the <laughs> center, <laughs> yeah. Central Nevada typically has more water, so you don't see as near as many guzzlers built in there. It's kind of around the edge. Of yeah. Water, so. yeah, it's awesome. Um, And this isn't just done. I mean, this takes a lot of people. Yeah, so we've got two three-man crews, um, a crew based out of Winnemucca, a crew based out of Las Vegas, and then we have Kenny based out of Fallon. Um, so we've got quite a few people working on it. And I mean, certainly the volunteer projects and the new builds in the spring and summer are kind of the most exciting part of the job. Uh, we get a lot of attendance at volunteer projects. Yeah, it's a good more time. Than, I mean, upwards of 80 people. Oh, yeah, yeah, some, yeah, at some projects we have. Which is crazy that people go to the middle of I'm shocked Wherever. that you get that many volunteers, no offense. A but. lot of them are in remote <laughs> places, too. So, you know, right. we're asking people to travel a long ways from home oftentimes to, to get to these project sites. Dedicated. And you said it's pretty easy, though. I mean, you have it pretty well set up for volunteers to get there, so they don't need to be worried that they're not going to find this site if they take the time to drive there. Yeah, so I do everything I can to make it as easy for the volunteers that show up as, as possible. I, I generate a map. 
I mark all the turns. I give UTM coordinates for all the turns, the camp, the guzzler location, and then we get that out to all our guzzlers or to our volunteers um, to make it just to make their lives easier because they are dedicating that they're, they're they're giving up their weekend to come out and help us do good things for for wildlife. So the easier we can make it on them, the happier they are. The more times they want to come back, they have a good experience. So I do whatever I can to make it as easy on them as possible. Yeah. And we've got a lot of sportsmen, conservation organizations in Nevada that su support wildlife in all kinds of different ways. And the water development program benefits enormously from some of these organizations as well. I mean, they've supported us for decades and decades with time and money and donations of materials and uh, helping us with the designs like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And they, they're really generous with their time. Uh, they make it easy uh, to show up and have a good time on a guzzler project. <laughs> Oftentimes, there's a steak dinner involved at the end of a hard uh, day's work. Uh, so you, you, get, you get lunch provided. Um, they really make it a good time. It's an enjoyable experience. And what a cool experience to be a part of and then end it with a steak dinner. <laughs> so it it's, like it's one of the more fun outdoor projects you can do and come out and help with the Department of Wildlife. It really is. There's... You're going in the middle of nowhere. You work hard all day, but there's people laughing and joking and uh, getting the job done all at the same time. It's not like it's just you're going there and you're building a house and, well, and you're going there for work. It's and it's it's very, very rewarding. When you're done for the day and you look over your shoulder as you're walking out, yeah. you see a con freshly constructed guzzler. And you know that what you did in one day is going to benefit Nevada's wildlife and its habitat. Yeah, that's, it's, it's so rewarding. Is that usually the turnaround one day that you guys go out and construct? Typically on a volunteer project, I, um, me and um, the other Guzzler Crew guys, we do our best to get it as prepped as, as far as we can so we can try to ensure to get it done in one day. Um, there are some Guzzers, and Aaron's been on some of them, that have taken two days. Um, those are pretty rare, um, but we do. Our goal is to have it done by the end of um, one day. With with the volunteer work, there's a lot of prep work that goes into the one day, though. I mean, we got to yeah. give our right. we got to give our crews a bit of credit as well, because <laughs> they're sure. out there for you know usually two weeks in advance or three weeks in advance, uh, prepping the site, uh, getting tanks buried, getting things kind of laid out. I mean, you you approach a site and it's, it's you know sagebrush and rock, and so you gotta you gotta get it into a, a place where you can actually build these things. So. I mean, there's a fair amount of construction that goes on prior to the volunteers. A lot of the heaviest lifting is done then. If we're working with heavy equipment, you know, a lot of that gets done prior to volunteers showing up. A lot of these sites are, are remote or you can't drive to them, so we may be slinging in materials with a helicopter, and we try to get that done. Which uh, means you're hooking it to a rope and flying it in, right? Yeah. I mean... And in some of our, our southern region sites, uh, they're so inaccessible... Uh, that we'll even ferry in the volunteers via helicopter. So wow. we'll work to ferry in all the materials. We'll get the site prepped. And then on the build day, we'll actually ferry in volunteers on a helicopter. So That's in addition so to cool. a steak lunch <laughs> and yeah. doing good things right. for Nevada. Helicopter ride yeah, over Nevada. helicopter ride. That's awesome. Yeah, and so. there's been some guzzlers at the, end of the, at the end of the build where we have photos of sheep or wildlife's waiting mm -hmm. they're like we're ready for water yeah they're <laughs> they do and they need it and so yeah you turn right around and they're right there waiting yep that really is cool so with the guzzlers i guess um it's just not it's not just about new builds right so they we have these 1700 guzzlers that are spread around the 1750 and gaining every year i mean they don't take care of themselves right so what's the what are we doing there's a lot of maintenance work involved. I mean, we've, we've got 
sites of varying ages, and so you've got to keep track uh, of kind of where they're at and their age, uh, if they're functioning or not functioning. So we try to inspect each guzzler, you know, at a minimum of probably every three years. Um, usually we're pretty good about that. Uh, last year, I think as an example, we, we looked at over 930 uh, individual sites, so we did pretty good. Yeah, uh, Yeah, we record, uh, like, if anything's wrong with them, we record what the water level is, and then we can go back and provide maintenance as needed. And it could be anything from something small to... A total rebuild. Yeah, there's yep. something broke to, yeah. I'm overwhelmed thinking about it, thinking of this map of guzzlers, and then at the same time trying to keep track of them, where they are, and making sure all of them are maintained. It's crazy what you guys do. It's it's a monster upper program. It's a lot of fun, though. It's it's very rewarding. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's some nuance, and there's a lot of hard work, but it's a really good program. It's, it's really popular amongst our volunteers. It's really popular amongst our sportsmen. For sure, sportsmen. Yeah. I mean, we sell the Guzzler book, right? Yep. And that thing, we can't keep them on the shelves. Like, every hunter wants one of those things, whether yep. you're a trucker hunter, a big game hunter, whatever. And know. we have a lot of people that are interested in helping both on the builds and, and increasingly on, on maintenance. And so we're starting to get requests from sportsmen for, you know, an ability to go out and know where a Guzzler site is or know where we need help performing inspections or minor maintenance tasks. And so we're trying to set up a program where they can go out and give us a hand on their week on a non-volunteer build weekend to go out and do a little bit of extra work. That's how dedicated they are. Right. And we get, you know, I've both gotten the question, like, what, how do I help or how do I, you know, if I'm out hunting, if I'm truck around and I see that something's wrong, do you want me just to fix it or do you want me to report it to you or, uh, you know, so I guess we're working towards that, right? Yeah. I mean, right now we have we have an email address that folks can send in to with a report of, you know, what guzzler they observed uh, needing uh, some maintenance work or that was damaged so they can report it that way. Uh, I think there's a guzzler hotline. It's mm -hmm. on the guzzler book so they can call in and leave a phone message. And then one of the projects that we're working on right now, we're not quite there yet with being able to re release it to the public, but we're working on kind of a smartphone app. Uh, that'll have a map of the guzzlers on and then basically an inspection sheet, a series of questions. And right. so someone could go up to a guzzler, uh, even if they're not terribly familiar with it, and work through this short questionnaire and provide some really useful data back to the Department of Wildlife. Yeah. I didn't even realize that the public could take such a part in making sure, like sportsmen could take such a part in making sure that they stay maintained. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a small program. We're kind of testing it with a real small group mm -hmm. of people right now. Uh, but I think eventually we're going to get it to the place where we can launch it to, to a wider audience. Right. And when that happens, you'll have however many auditors out looking at different parts of the guzzlers and checking them out and cleaning tumbleweeds out and everything else. So exactly. I think it's, it's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah. It'll be a good benefit for us because, you know, between a handful of dedicated or uh, down employees, we can't cover 1,740 guzzlers every year. So no there's way. a lot of sportsmen that go out there on their own time hunting and they see a guzzler and there may be some minor issues or major issues and they can just let us know and it helps us because then we can prioritize our maintenance needs and go out there and get that guzzler back up and functioning. That's awesome. Another huge thing I want to get into before we run out of time is funding. How is this program funded? So it's, it's entirely funded on this volunteer time that we've been talking about. And so if when a volunteer goes out to a project site, uh, we keep track, just like any of our volunteer projects, of the hours and the miles that they are essentially donating to the Department of Wildlife. And we use that in our grant program uh, to, to basically pay for the entire program. I mean, we spend somewhere between 
900,000 or a little over a million dollars a year funding this program, whether it's helicopter time, buying materials, uh, paying for crew time, uh, what have you. And so it, it's kind of a cash heavy program, but it's really neat in the aspect that all of the state match uh, that we use to get the federal grant is all provided by volunteers. We, we're so healthy on our volunteer following that we don't use any of the kind of standard license or tag fee dollars to support this program. Uh, so we have volunteers, they contribute their time, we keep track of it, we match it to the grant, and, and we have a very self-sustaining program. I wonder if the volunteers even realize that that's how much they're contributing to it. Because not only are they out there doing the work, but they're the a lot of them the dollars do. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we, we try to be really good about communicating, you know, what a benefit it is to the department. I think we're getting a little bit better at, at reinforcing that lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the other things, we also have a lot of conservation organizations that provide cash donations or material donations that help the pro- program as well. And right. so if we get in a bind and we're a little short of materials for, you know, a particularly aggressive guzzler build season, uh, you know, we can rely on some of these groups to really step up and help us out as well, which is, it's another tremendous benefit. So it's a program that was d- developed by sportsmen and completely funded by sportsmen. It doesn't yeah. get any better than that. And we have, this is Guzzler Build Season, um, a number of projects that we've already talked about coming up. So our, it sounds like volunteers are needed at this time. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the next one is April 20th. I think I mentioned that earlier. It's going to be in the Cocoon Mountain Range, um, just east of Fallon. And then May 11th, we have one in the Wasik Range, um, just outside of the Walker Lake. Um June 1st in northern Washoe County, and then June 22nd out in the Owyhee Desert. Um, that'll wrap up our volunteer build season for the year. So, yeah, if you want to come out and do good things for wildlife and help uh, Nevada's conservation, please, by all means, come out and give us a hand. It's, yeah, it's, I think, it's uh, a very re- re- rewarding weekend. Yeah, I think we'll probably just post the build project schedule maybe for all the statewide project schedule that has southern and northern, and then some – instructions on how people get involved well and how can they um would they just go to volunteer opportunities yep they just go to endout.org and they can go to volunteer opportunities and it's water development volunteer and follow the steps and sign up and then once they do that if they enter their contact info then as projects come up we reach out to them so and then we have other conservation partners that that we work real closely with too that helps get the word out as well they they have a dedicated volunteer following list that they send out when when this volunteer work schedule is, is developed um, so that's another avenue we, we utilize to help spread the word and, and tap to get more volunteer workforce. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, everyone get out there. It sounds like a great program. And I'm happy that you guys came in for this and that you drove all the way here. No, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you both. And thank you, everyone, for listening. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.